Are the Chiefs and NFL doing the right thing by allowing fans in the stands this season? The team announced on Monday that nearly 17,000 fans would be allowed into Arrowhead Stadium and tickets for the first three home games will go on sale soon. Star columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian talk about this decision on Sports BKC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, August 18th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. After a break, we carry the conversation to the high school sports level. Sam wrote a terrific column Sunday about weighing the balance between playing and not playing fall high school sports in the COVID-19 world. He shares with us the thoughts he gathered after talking to coaches, administrators, and parents. So here we go with Sam and Vahe. Sam and Vahe with us today, and some I want, there are a lot of topics I want to get to, but let's start with the one of the more recent ones, and that is fans in the stands at Arrowhead Stadium. I, I, I guess I thought that maybe it was going to happen. Um, you know, Sporting Kansas City is going to start next week with fans in the stands, and but we haven't seen that around our parts, right? Because the Royals, no fans in the stands. I got. I got to admit, though, it was a little, little jarring to see the numbers. You know, almost seventeen thousand people are going to be allowed in, and and even though the 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 Chiefs have, you know, they talked about the social, the, the spacing, you know, in, in the pods, the group of six pods, and no more than two pods on a row, and probably nobody behind you or in front of you. I don't know. It's still a little, a little jarring to read. Let me ask you guys each: Would um, would would you be interested in buying a pod of seats at, uh, at Arrowhead Stadium? <laughs> Sam, you're definitely more qualified than I am uh, as a pod person to speak to this. <laughs> uh, I, I would not. Um, I, I don't think that I would. I would do that. But I, I'm also a. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is off topic, and it's not really answering the spirit of your question. But the the at home experience for an NFL game is pretty freaking sweet. You know, um, especially when compared to the in-state, I mean, it's just it's it's so easy. Uh, it's cheaper. You know, there, there's a lot of things going for it. I'm I'm not there, um, but and and I'll say this: like I was. Well, one quick thing: you, you mentioned the Royals haven't had fans. I don't know if you guys noticed the email about the the Royals game tonight that has since been postponed to tomorrow as part of a doubleheader. But they were going to open up the press box for the first time. I assume that is step one in having fans. Because you know the media, we've been set up in the in the Diamond Club, and now that's going to be fans. So now the the media needs to go up to the to the press box. As, as I heard on a competing podcast of yours, Blair, um, John Sherman and the Royals do have a plan for for fans. They're just waiting for it to uh, to be implemented. Uh, I, I'm surprised that you know public health people have okayed the plan with Sporting and the plan with the Chiefs. That that is a at least a mild surprise to me. But, um, you know, honestly, if, if that's – if it's been okayed, then I feel like they've got to do it. By the health officials it, and, yeah. uh, you know, the, every, everybody may – you know, I saw where Quentin Lucas was quoted in the story. And, uh-huh. um, and by the way, that, that competing pod, I, I believe that – I think I believe that's released once a week. <laughs> 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 I believe you have all week to put that pod together. Yeah, it's, it's just cute. It's a cute little uh, <laughs> by, by a cute kid. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a terrific pod. I, I fully, uh, wholly recommend Mellinger Minutes for the ears. So, um, what do you think, Vahe? Would you would you be part of a pod at Arrowhead if um, if, if you could be? And Va- well, I I I'd be hesitant. I'd be skeptical. I I but I. It's interesting, Sam. You know, Blair, you've written about this extensively, and and we've talked about it in the past. But it's making me think all the more about the way. Uh, the home the home setup is superior to the in stadium experience in general, and I I don't know if I've thought that much about what's going to come out on the other side of this, but you know between all the social media aspects of being at home, the comforts of home, all these things, I I do really wonder even in a post vaccine world how we're going to feel about these stadium experiences. And look, in a way, there's no substitute for being there. But in a way, there's plenty of substitutes for being there. So I, 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 that's a little different than what, what you're asking, but it, it just has made me think more about that. You know, I can only describe it in the sense of what we've been exposed to in our own lives with where you go with other people and how you feel personally with a mask or on or out on your porch with friends. And it, it just feels to me like a, a, a bridge farther than I, I'd be ready for. But I get why people would want to do it. And I think one of the things that's really interesting, Sam, I love this point Sam made in his column the other day about, he didn't phrase it this way, Sam, but it's kind of how I took it, about taking out the extremists on either end and then then you can have a a real debate about how to look at things. And I think if you're really rational and reasonable about this, you, you understand that every step of it kind of is part of the scientific process. If you're reasonably cautious, and taking some baby steps out there, that's, that, I think, makes you a normal person uh, who's trying to find a rational approach to it. So I find myself not begrudging anybody trying to do this in a responsible, respectful way, but I just don't know that that's – I do know that that's not 100% airtight, and that's the tolerance question, and it also affects everybody else. So it's just so complicated. I guess limit uh, lines in the restrooms. Um Good luck with that. And uh, <laughs> well, you know what? There was a great line in there that that uh, I fully expect Sam to, to actually just dig into the plate and go go uh, big swing on here. But it was unless you're fully engaged in eating or drinking, you have to have your mask on. Something to that effect. Seems to me that there could be a long term engagement with the drinking that that you know keeps the masks off. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think a lot of Chiefs fans are actively drinking from two hours before kickoff until <laughs> they stop serving after the third quarter or whatever it is. Uh, all, all that stuff, like, um, you know, there was some line in there about, you know, they're going to get some, uh, you know, higher accreditation from, you know, some health surveys, like some public health, you know, you know, uh, sort of deeming the Chiefs uh, as, you know, the gold standard or whatever. Um but that's all this stuff that's on paper, and, and all of those precautions sound great on paper. Hospital grade, um, disinfectant, um, you know, distancing, you know, all, all these things sound great on paper. But anybody here been to an NFL game? <laughs> like, I, I just don't know how how well those things are going to be followed, um, or or how the hell you enforce them. I mean, I just think about you know the upper concourse bathroom at Arrowhead Stadium, and there's some. You know, poor Chiefs employee making 
six dollars an hour or whatever and he goes in there and he's trying to get these people to distance like that is <laughs> that guy needs hazard pay like whoever goes in there that, i just don't know how that how that any of that works <laughs> and and you know back to one of the points i think blair you said it uh right away about you know maybe we've known there would be a trickle of uh people going back sometime soon but when you come down to uh, brass tacks and look at what that number means in Arrowhead of, of whatever it is, 16,723, that seems like 10 times more than I was thinking would be coming in. Um, and I, maybe I just never thought it through well enough what these percentages mean, but that, that, that's, a, that's a fair amount of people. That's not, you know, <laughs> easily assembled, easily brought in, easily taken out without exposure to each other. It's sort of encapsulated in, in what Sam said about the bathroom like but how are you going to be having people around enough to enforce this stuff is it enforceable the the rules they're they're going to have uh, imposed on them I mean really is somebody going to be saying hey look you you just took swig here about three years ago you need to have the mask back on I, I just don't know how that's going to look you know something I think about is um you know, we, we, we've often said how fortunate in the timing of all this that the Chiefs were to get in their Super Bowl run, right? Yeah. Well, now they, they can't take full advantage of the of the Super Bowl afterglow. Uh, look, Arrowhead Stadium was going to sell all their tickets anyway, right? And and uh, But I'm sure they, they would have been in for a mighty uh, price increase at 75,000 seats per, you know, game. And... Mm-hmm. They're not going to realize the full financial benefit of a of a Super Bowl, you know, post Super Bowl run, and yeah. um, even with you know sixteen thousand seven hundred in there, uh, it's probably more than most NFL teams are going to get, but nowhere near what the Chiefs could have realized uh, financially because of because of this. I also wonder what 17,000 or so folks uh, who might be chopping will sound like. Uh, will it be kind of arrow, echoey in Arrowhead Stadium with the, with the chop? Will, will this discourage the chop a little bit? I wonder. I made me, made me wonder about that. <laughs> it is weird because, uh, you know, the Chiefs have probably, you know, sometime in 2012, they probably, football was going on on the field at Arrowhead at some point in 2012 where around 16,000 actual people were in the stands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I... I have to believe that's true, um, but none of them cared. Right. <laughs> like, that, that was a dead. Like, I, it, it is weird. I mean, because that sixteen thousand, you know, with these pods was spread out. That's not sixteen thousand in the lower bowl. There's going to be people, you know, way up in those those top corners of Arrowhead, and and that's going to be sixteen thousand very passionate Chiefs fans. You know, um, if, if you're if you're going to the trouble to go to pay the money. Um, all these things, like you, you are a huge Chiefs fan, you know what I mean, and and you're going to be screaming your your ass off, and I, I just th- that'll be. Uh, I mean, there's so much in 2020 that's unique, but uh, there there has never been an NFL scene like that, right? Because and the other thing is, there's probably not going to be a single opposing team fan in the stadium. You would think. I mean, because these are. They're going to be sold to season ticket holders first, and I don't know what the season ticket base is, but it's it's a lot more than sixteen thousand people, and so and, and then after that, it's Jackson County residents, and you know maybe there's some a Texans fan you know that's going to get in on that or whatever, but that that's just another unique thing. We're not going to have a replay of the you know that little mini controversy when a lot of the, the defense was pissed off last year during the Vikings and Packers game, right? <laughs> right, right. 
I'm sorry this isn't clear to me, but what do you understand, Sam, particularly since you've been in the middle of it, um, about whether are the gates going to be open to people that don't have tickets? I mean, is there going to be full tailgating encouraged? Because it's just interesting to me to picture that. Yeah, there were there were limitations on the tailgate. I, I don't I don't remember seeing I, I don't remember reading um, that you you need a game ticket to get into the parking lot. What I do remember reading is that the tailgating will well again this is whether it's enforceable or not right. But um, their limitation on tailgating is you can only tailgate with the people in your pod. So there's no twenty five person you know big tent kind of tailgate. This would be you know six or fewer by definition of the pod that you can tailgate with you know which is still can still be fun right i mean you can grill burgers for six people and you know play bags or whatever although that by the letter of the law is is banned because they're they're trying to enforce it just behind your car or truck but we've seen how well the, the arrowhead parking <laughs> attendants have been enforcing tailgating rules in the past right you mean with the, the hundreds and hundreds of spaces open and lots that are closed because it's too full? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's all, you know, I mean, like so much else, it's just, it's a microcosm of 2020, right? Like everybody's guessing it's going to be chaotic. Uh, there's going to be people who take advantage. There's going to be people who are cautious. There's going to be people who are uh, trying to enforce rules. There's going to be people who are trying to act, you know, by protocol themselves. And there's going to be people who... Um, you know, or I'm not wearing a mask and, you know, it's going to be everything. It's going to be a mess, a beautiful, passionate mess. <laughs> one, one other quick thing just to throw in. So that opener is September 10th mm-hmm. and the Royals home opener was what, about three weeks ago. So the Royals at that game are, are doing everything they can to keep people out, including, you know, closing gates and so that they only the, the 11 media people or 37 media people can come in and now we're going to have you know the gates you know thrown open one way or another and it's just yeah. going back to your point sam about kind of the guessing like it's fascinating how how every little thing can be the pendulum swinging wildly from one to the other while we're trying to settle into the middle yep all right quick break we'll be right back with sam and Bahe. hey it's blair we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with uh, Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger. Um, I want to talk about a couple other things quickly, but first, uh, back on the Chiefs, uh, I see where St- Steve Spagnuolo made some news uh, in his recent uh, yeah. appearance. <laughs> Rarely do we get news from these Zoom calls, but boy, Steve Spagnuolo came through for us in a big way yesterday with, with the announcement of Mike Pinnell's suspension. I don't believe the Chiefs have announced that yet, but uh, 
looks like uh, defensive lineman Mike Pinnell won't be starting the season with the Chiefs. Well, it was so out of the blue that, that when the Chiefs were asked to comment on it later, they said, well, Coach will comment it on Wednesday. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it, it seemed they were not prepared with a news release on, a, on the topic. Right, right. So, hey, Sam, I wanted to get into the column you wrote on, on Sunday. I thought it was terrific, and it has to do with high school sports. And uh, it really kind of crystallized a lot of things that I've felt about it all along. And uh, to me, what it came down to is uh, there are – you know, the sensible side of me says we shouldn't be gathering just about under any circumstance. And yet what you can't do is project the lives of 16, 17, 18-year-old kids and what what sports means to them and uh, how important it is in, in their lives. And we're, we're dealing with it at a, on a daily basis on a professional and a college level. And we, you know, and we don't think about it as much at a high school level, but in just in terms of number of participants and activities, <laughs> these are the people that are being impacted the most by by the COVID from a from a sports perspective. Yeah. Uh, how did it, just tell us how your your feelings changed just in reporting and writing that column? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so we spend most of the last five months or whatever, uh, and especially the last two or three months thinking about. Uh, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, MLS, and, and college football, you know, whether, whether those sports can get going. And you, you talk to scientists and, um, you know, just everybody you can who, you know, kind of lives this stuff. And, you know, do you bubble? Do you not bubble? All these things. And, and high schools just kind of gets forgotten about a little bit. They're, they're pushed down. And, you know, as I'm doing this reporting, like we're all doing, of talking to epidemiologists and whoever else, um, if high school sports ever came to my mind, it's like, well, that would be, you know, <laughs> bat spit crazy uh, to have any sort of high school. They just, you can't do that. They don't have the money uh, for testing. They don't have, you know, these big medical staffs, you know, you know, nothing. Like, I, I, let's not even consider that. But then I started calling people, coaches, administrators, uh, you know, some parent, like, and, and you hear what you just said, Blair, about, you know, what it means. Um, and the the precautions that they're willing to take and you start thinking about here's one thing that i think gets lost is with all this stuff is i think that too often we tend to digest covid exposure or whatever as sort of zero sum as as um is there risk of doing that if if yes don't do it if no do it and and that's just not realistic the the decisions are smarter if you think of uh, what is the added risk or is there added risk? Is it neutral or is it less? And and that's when it starts getting a lot more complicated. And um, because sure, like it seems really crazy to put a bunch of 15 to 18 year old kids together in a sport as, you know, there's just fundamentally contact, right? Like, like football, um, during this time. And it shouldn't matter if you have separate water bottles and, you know, all this stuff. Um, but then you start to hear from these coaches and administrators about like, okay, well, what do you think they're going to be doing from three to six if, if they're not at practice? And is that going to be better or worse than if they are in a controlled environment with adults, um, you know, to, to enforce these things, respected adults. I think that's important 
to enforce these things also with the incentive that kids might have you know when they're not at school or not at, at practice it seems to me that kids who are involved in a sport or an extracurricular activity are going to have more incentive to be responsible and follow you know guidelines with those activities than they would without it um, there's there's a mental health part of this too that I think people can forget about uh, you know there, there's just there's a lot of factors in I think, you know, the thing that I get frustrated about and, you know, and Vahe, you just brought this up about um, it feels like we spend a lot of time trying to satisfy the people on each extreme. You know, people who think that if you're within 100 feet of a human being, that's a death wish. And, and, you know, and then the other side of the people who think that, you know, a guideline to wear a mask uh, is, you know, some sort of infringement on their constitutional rights or whatever. And there's got to be i don't know what the percentage is but i gotta hope it's 70 80 percent of us in the middle there that are trying to make the right decisions for ourselves and the decision of like the kck schools for instance to call off sports we can debate that whatever but that doesn't mean that um the decision so far at least for you know other school districts to play is reckless you know, they're, they're, they're different circumstances. The case numbers are different, different places are different priorities. There's all, just all kinds of different things. I just, I, I, I think that we'd be a lot better off if we spent time in that space of, of trying to, you know, deal with the people that are trying to handle this responsibly, um, you know, whether they agree with you or not. We, we had an interesting, uh, it was actually a, an op-ed, I think, in our, our uh, editorial page the other day uh, by a, a, I can't remember who the woman was, I'm sorry, but she wrote kind of about the death of nuance and that <laughs> yeah. the idea of, of how, uh, you know, incompatible things can be weighed all at the same time, right? And, and, and it just, it was very striking. And that one-two punch of that and reading the way you phrased that the other day, Sam, is, I don't know, just really uh, awakened some thinking in me about how we need to understand that you can't just decide that it, it is that way or the highway and back and forth the same way all the time. We, we've that's yeah. become kind of the creed of our country. It's why we're kind of in the chaos we're in. And and people can't. I'm just metaphorically saying, reach across the aisle in general to try to understand where everybody else is coming from. So I can't really add to what how you phrase that. I thought that was that was important. What you wrote and what you just said. Thank you. Like one thing that I keep thinking too is that. Um, it feels like there used to be this acknowledgement and maybe that's just like, you know, um, rose colored, you know, just pining for the past or whatever. But it seems like there used to be an acknowledgement that if I feel um, differently about an issue than you, that may be just because I've had a different life experience than you. It doesn't mean that you're right and I'm wrong. It means that I've had this set of life experiences that brings me to this decision um, that I think this is the best way either for me or, you know, for whatever. And you've had this other life experience and it, that gives you a different perspective. And there used to be, I feel like, more of an acknowledgement of, you know what? That's interesting. You disagree. Um, why? Let's talk about this and figure it out. And now it just seems like it's very much, oh, you disagree with me? Screw you. Uh, you're dead wrong and you're a moron or you're, you know, crazy for whatever. And, and it just, we need to get past that. <laughs> like we need, uh, you know, there, we have more in common with each other, I think, generally, than we've sort of made it appear. And, and, uh, and that's a collective failure. That's not, 
Um, I, I'm not pointing the blame at any particular demographic. I think that's a collective. We've all created this world. Um, I think we've all had a, a part of it. And I think it's up to, you know, hopefully the reasonable among us in the middle um, to bring that back a little bit if we can. Just a quick addition. I, I love conversations that kind of begin with people asking themselves what their commonalities are before they yeah. begin to try to resolve the other. Because I think if you started that way, it, it really is a problem-solving situation instead of I got a win situation. Didn't I, I probably should bring this up like right live um, live taping, right? But <laughs> didn't um, President Bush say something like that in the wake of those uh, the Dallas police shootings um, a few years ago? He said something like that about you know if if you start from where you agree um, instead of you know what separates you, it, it's it's a lot more productive conversation, and it just seems like that is 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 gone <laughs> in in most conversations now. Yeah, absolutely. That will do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Big thanks to Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Chiefs and Arrowhead Stadium and high school sports. Hey, we have linked to their stories in the show notes, and you can find their stuff, of course, on KansasCity.com. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands, and it is still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage. That includes the Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There's more than 50 additional pages of national sports coverage today. I can remember when I was telling you there were more than 20 additional pages. Well, with baseball season, there's a whole separate section on Major League Baseball every day in the E-Edition. Well, here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues like Vahe and Sam, plus extra news, sports, and business coverage with that e-edition. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, You're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we will be back on Wednesday with another edition.